0: One of, my, one of my favorite podcasts to listen to is, uh, and, and don't judge me. I won't judge you. you don't, don't judge me, okay? Some of you are like, what's he going to say? <laughs> one of my favorite podcasts is a podcast by Malcolm Gladwell, and it's called Revisionist History. And Malcolm Gladwell goes and digs into some things and um, exposes and, 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 and gives us some insight on some pieces of of history that maybe we don't know about. He talks about Brian Williams. You guys remember Brian Williams, uh, who was a reporter and uh, made some statements about some things that he experienced in Afghanistan that he didn't fully experience. And and so he got fired. All All the stuff that happened, like he digs into that a little bit and asks the question, like, did he really believe those things had happened? And how does that come about? How do our minds work in such a way that once we tell a story enough times, we literally begin to believe that's the truth of what happened. I mean, it's amazing. He talks about um, the, the great travesty that happened when McDonald's um, got rid of their original fry recipe. <laughs> you remember the French fries when they changed the French fries? And they're not as good as they used to be. So he he explores why did Mc, McDonald's change their french fry recipe. And so he goes to McDonald's, their headquarters, digs in. And some of you are like, what does this have to do with anything? Um, he talks about why he hates golf, which, you know, I have some qualms with, with him on this one. But he talks about why he hates golf. And he, anyways, all these things. There's, a, there's a, a book that he wrote called Outliers that talks about, uh, I've mentioned this before, the Rosetto mystery. Have you heard of this? Small little town in Pennsylvania called Rosetto. And the people who had landed in this town had immigrated uh, from Italy, a cer- certain region in Italy, a town I think called Rosetto as well. And they had immigrated here. And in the mid-50s, uh, they, they started to notice that, that the people from this town did not have the same levels of heart disease and heart attacks as the rest of the United States. The rest of the United States, for men especially, it had become almost a, a, out of hand the number of men that were dying from heart attacks. It was like one of the number one causing, uh, leading causes of death in, in men over the age of, of 50, I believe. And they recognized that there were men in this small town who were not having heart attacks. And so they decided to go in and do some investigation and figure out what it is. Was it the diet? Was it the exercise? You know, all these different things they began to explore, and they were exploring all these different things. And and they came. The, the, one of the funniest statements is uh, these people were dying of old age. That's it. That's all they were dying of, like nothing else. So as they begin to do this research. Um, The death rate of people who were 65 and older due to heart disease was half of what it was in the rest of the United States. You should pay attention. We should pay attention. I mean, that's crazy. That's 50%. There was no suicide, no addiction to drugs or alcohol. There was hardly any crime. There were no welfare programs in Rosetta. Crazy. They get in they realized very quickly it's not because of their diet. They're eating everything that we're all eating. Their diet was no good. It's not because of exercise. They didn't run. They didn't exercise on a, on a regular basis. And they found it wasn't due to their genes. I don't mean Levi's, but, you know, DNA, the genes that were inside. It wasn't due to any of those things which they assumed would be the case. And you know what they came to, fi- to find It was because of how they lived life in community. It was the only explanation of why they were living longer. Now, you talk about trying to tell the medical professionals that it was community that was what was moving them outside of the heart attacks and the heart disease and all of these things, and they thought they were crazy. But they came to find that that was the only thing that set Rosetto aside from all the surrounding communities and the U.S. on an average. It's community. Community. The very thing, and it doesn't matter if you're an extrovert or an introvert. This is true for every single one of us. We long as humans for deep connection with other people. All of us. Listen, um, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you're an introvert because you won't. But I lean, um, I lean pretty introverted on the scale. I, I'm, it's funny, some of you are like, well, why, you chose a terrible profession, Matt, if you're an introvert. And I don't know, you know, it's just what God uh, led me into. But, but I, I tend to be uh, on the introverted scale. But listen, I'm no different than, than all of you in that I long for deep relationships. And when I'm in trouble or when something is going wrong in my world, I'm looking for some people that I can talk to and walk through the challenges of life with. I'm looking for it, just like you are. And it's so interesting to me that in this study in Rosetto, it was community that actually gave the people better health some of you, if, if you're in the room and you're like, uh, you own a gym or you do a lot of exercising, you're a personal trainer, all of these kind of things, um, maybe we've got some doctors in the room who would say, Matt, do not tell people to eat bad. Um, I'm not telling you to eat. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm just saying it doesn't matter what you eat if you're in community. Okay, that's not completely true. <laughs> just go with me a little bit this morning. Um, Our Western world, our our current Western world has long emphasized knowledge, factual information and proof over the process of being known by God and other people. No wonder that despite all of our technological advances and the proliferation of social media, we are more isolated than ever before. Hey, almost every study today tells us this. We are more connected and more lonely than we've ever been in the history of the world. It's true. And we are so geared in at wanting more. And I was talking to someone this morning. Um, do you know how fast our knowledge is increasing? It's crazy how fast we're able to take in more and more information. And I asked the question, we might be smarter than we once were? We might have more information in our brains, but are we any wiser? And are we any any more connected with one another than we've ever been? Our Western world, we, we emphasize so much knowledge, and I am not down on knowledge. Knowledge is good. But knowing one another and being known by one another, I think, should have a higher place in In the ways that we prioritize our lives, than it currently does. And I think this is one of the things Peter talks about, should make Christians different. Um, He continues, he goes on um, to say, it's only when we are known and we're positioned, that we are positioned to become conduits of love. And it's love that transforms us. Love is the thing, love is the experience. That transforms our mind. It it makes forgiveness possible, which every single one of us needs in life. We need to know how to receive and offer forgiveness to other people. And it weaves a community of disparate or different people into the tapestry of God's family. Knowing and being known. Community. Now, I know that uh, on a sunday morning when we begin talking about certain subjects or passages of scripture it's easy to tune out to say i don't need this i've heard it i'm out i've tried it i've tried community and i've been burned anyone don't raise your hand i've tried it um, anybody your kids start school this last week i thought there'd be a celebration kids started school last week. How many of you, if your kids came home next week and they said, mom, dad, I'm done with school. And you're like, what do you mean you're done with school? And they said, I tried it. No good. I'm out. (laughs) You, you, you You wouldn't allow them to stay home. You would say, it doesn't matter what you think. We know it's good for you. You're going to school. Hey, when it comes to community, the same thing is true. So many of us try it, and we throw up our hands and we say, I'm out. But all of Scripture, from the beginning to the end, God talks about how important community is in the lives of his people and in this world becoming a better place. Community is essential. It's not just a, a side attempt or a side hobby for us. In Chicago, so that study was done In the 50s, in Chicago in the 80s, Marla Paul was a journalist and she wrote an article very transparent about her own experience. She was in her 40s and she had really struggled uh, to connect in deep relationships. And she says, This the loneliness saddens me. How did it happen that I'd be 42 years old and not have enough friends? I recently read my daughter's book, The Ugly Duckling, and I felt an immediate kinship with this bird who flies from place to place looking for creatures with whom he belongs. He eventually finds them. I hope I do too. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like you were not connecting and you were trying desperately to connect? And in our current culture, our connections, our desire, and our practice is more about trying to find connections online, which is actually magnifying the problem. Uh, Scripture doesn't say that. That's Matt. Matt Um, (laughs) 1.1. That that our attempts to find deep relationship online actually leaves us wanting more than online can ever fulfill. So Marlo, uh, she wrote this, Thinking she was all alone, the response at the Chicago Tribune was overwhelming. The number of people who wrote in, called, saying, me too, me too, me too. Someone wrote in this, and I, I, um, I just had to use this response. I've often felt like I'm standing outside looking through the window of a party to which I wasn't invited. And I think we've all been there. Like looking at what maybe we think somebody else has, and we think, why wasn't I invited to that party? Why don't I fit in that party? Why can't I have that kind of party? Community. Can we just be honest and say the last three years have been like hell? Can we, are we allowed to say that? Well, I guess I just did. The last three years have been a bit of a challenge. And it's interesting, I think the, the, the cycle that we've created is, looks a little bit like this. There's isolation and there's distractions and division. And what it leads to is loneliness and depression and anger. And you could maybe change that word anger out for hate. There's hatred. Which leads to isolation and distraction and division which leads to loneliness and depression and anger, which leads to isolation, distraction, and division. It's like a cycle that we've, we've slowly entered, well, it was quickly at first, but we slowly entered into, and I think all of us feel it. The last few years have been really hard to do deep community and friendship because we were pushed apart, because in the... Being pushed apart, we were distracted by so many other things, and because we were divided by all the things that were going on that we had time to watch on TV but may not have a real uh, immediate impact in the world right here in front of us, and we just got angry at people we didn't know, and we transferred the anger towards people that we didn't know to people we did know who might think a little bit differently than us, and all of a sudden we find ourselves more isolated, depression is through the roof, the number of anxiety drugs that are being pushed out. And I'm listen, I'm not, um, I'm not down on the medical things that can help us. I'm just saying there might be some deeper answers to help in the midst of what we need in the moment, and that being community. And I wonder if this is a better cycle for us to get into Engagement, not isolation, and presence with one another, like being together, even with people who think differently than us, being fully present with them, and having some compassion, which I think leads to community. And the challenge with this is, if I asked you, how's your week? It's good, but anyone? Busy. I'm busy. I got a lot going on. Now, not everybody, but many of us would say, I'm I'm busy. I've just got a full calendar. And so engagement and and, and presence is hard. I just kind of want to drip where I can drip those things and, and be able to have community. Peter, who's writing in, in 1 Peter this letter that we're trying to build this series around, um, one of the things that he keeps coming back to is this idea love each other deeply with all your heart. He keeps saying this love, love each other deeply with all your heart. And it's one thing to say, I love you, it's another thing to love you. It, it's, it's one thing to say, I love everyone. Even the people I don't like, I love them. It's very different to love them with all my heart. To love with my whole heart means I'm engaged with them at some level. He goes on and he says this, be done with deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind words. The very things that drive you apart and divide you, be done with those things. Like try to to cut those things out of your life root out the very things that that tend to uh, put a wedge in between relationships where community could could come about and then he goes on now I had to throw some southern in here on you today Um, I did visit my people in Alabama and South Carolina this summer and so this is the southern version of the NLT y'all can you say y'all Thank you. I feel at home now. Y'all, he says, are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Now, how this reads in the normal version is you are living stones. My problem with that translation is that in our minds, in our context, we usually take that as individual. You. You. Oh, he's talking to me. But he's not talking to me. He's talking to us. Y'all, that's how we say it in the South, (laughs) y'all are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Now, stay with me just a minute before you drift off. Stay, Stay here. Listen, what is a spiritual temple? What is the purpose in that day? What was the purpose of a temple? The temple was to be a sanctuary for people who were seeking refuge and grace and connection with God. That's what a temple was. That's what a spiritual temple was. And what Peter is saying is that y'all are living stones. No longer is it just a building that God is putting together relationally and in the context of community. That is a new kind of spiritual temple. Catch this. When you're put together in community, you become a place that is safe, a refuge for those who are looking for God. Come on. That'll preach. Somebody, I hope we recorded that. <laughs> our relationships, our connections, and the community that can come, can come about through those connections could be the safe place someone is looking for connection with God. And he goes on to say, what's more, y'all are his priests, a chosen people. Y'all are royal priests, a holy nation. God's. What was the purpose of a priest in the first century? A priest was intended to connect people to be the intermediary between humans and God. That was the purpose of a priest. And what he's saying is, y'all together. None of you, like, individual, but together, y'all become the connection point. Are you going to get tired of me saying y'all? Y'all become the con- connection point between humanity and God. Humanity feels disconnected from God. Humanity searching for some kind of greater purpose or meaning out there. The, the community of followers of Jesus could be the intermediary that becomes the connecting point, the safe space. Are, are you with me? And it's not just for other people. It's, it's for you. So sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Not like five, six, seven-year-old brothers and sisters, but like grown-up brothers and sisters who actually love each other. Tender-hearted and Humble. And have a deep love. Above all else, I think he finishes this kind of thought with, above all else, have a deep love for one another for love covers a multitude of sins. Love is that experience, that practice that can cover, cover over the, the ways in which we, we miss the mark, that we mess up, that we don't treat one another way. Like love is the thing that leads us to forgiveness. Does that make sense? So, Here here were the two questions I walked away with. How can we love one another if we don't know one another? I mean, how can we love one another with our full hearts if we don't know one another? And how can we know one another unless we spend some time together? And we can't just spend a little bit of time. Like, it can't be just like 30 minutes and hanging out and like... I think there's a place for the teaching in the church, like what we're doing, and for worship in the church, but there's, there's an essential part of what it means to be a community in a church where we're not sitting in rows looking one direction, but we're actually sitting in circles, and it's even better if we're around a table eating some good food. Come on, y'all. You know what I mean? Like, there's just something about sitting in a circle. Um, Jenny Allen, who's an author in our day, many of you have heard Jenny Allen's name. We've done some studies by Jenny Allen. She says, here's what we we tend to do is we spend hours alone in crowded, noisy, screen-lit worlds. And we do that in a lot of different ways. It's not just like on social media. It's oftentimes just watching TV and the different things that we watch. We invest only sporadic time with acquaintances, and then we expect close friends to somehow appear in our busy lives. Robin and I have been talking a lot about this. And um, we haven't confessed to a lot of people. We confess to each other. We've been terrible friends in the last four years. We've just been bad friends. Thank you for not saying amen. (laughs) We just haven't been very good friends. We haven't initiated enough. We haven't been consistent enough. We haven't asked enough. We haven't loved deeply. And it's interesting... That we long for deep relationships, and we expect for them just to show up without the hard work. And it just doesn't happen. What's beautiful about true community and deep friendships, it's like when I, you know, um, I don't know if this is something that's happened as, I got, as I've gotten older, but I've realized that when I go out to eat, oftentimes um, I get food in my teeth. And I can't tell it's there. It's just there. Um, I don't love to eat salads, but sometimes I eat salads, and I get the green stuff, so it's very noticeable when I get stuff in my teeth. And um, sometimes, like when I get home, I look in the mirror, and I, and I look at Robin, and I'm like, really? <laughs> like all night, it was just right there? And you just, you just let me talk to people and smile real big and laugh and... Come on, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? And you get, you're just embarrassed, and you're like, do I need to like wash my mouth out when I'm eating? Or I mean, um, deep community, like deep friendships are like that mirror that help you see in yourself what you can't see, and we need it. Because I can't see everything about myself, and you can't see everything about yourself. You just can't. And I need somebody who loves me who sometimes tells me the difficult things that I don't want to hear? Not the first night we have dinner, <laughs> over time, after we build some trust. Like, I, I need someone who can point out some things in my life that can move me closer to God. One of my favorite um, stories in Scripture, I'm almost done, I promise. Um, one of my favorite stories in Scripture is Mark chapter 2. And in Mark chapter 2, um, Jesus is, is, is back, and he's teaching in the house, and it's just loaded with people, and uh, there's some friends who have, uh, in, in their friend group, or however it worked, there was a paralytic, someone who had been paralyzed from, from birth, and these friends bring this paralytic, but they can't get to Jesus because there's too many people around, and so they climb up on the roof, and they dig a hole in the roof, and they drop the paralytic right in front of Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus, I was going to show you The Chosen. There's an episode on Chosen, and it's such a beautiful picture. They drop this paralytic in front of Jesus, and Jesus looks at them, and he looks at the paralytic. And in Mark chapter 2, you can go read this later, he looks at the paralytic's friends, and he says, your faith, because of your faith, his sins are forgiven. Have you ever thought about that? It wasn't his faith. It was their faith. He had friends who loved him enough to bring him to Jesus and their bringing him to Jesus actually gave him grace. Now Jesus went on and healed him which was also awesome but I just keep scratching my head going it was their faith that led to the forgiveness of his sins? That's kind of crazy. That's kind of weird. That's not how we think it works. We think it's more transactional like it's my faith that, and it was their faith that led to his wholeness. That's amazing. Do you have friends like that? Do you have friends that are willing to carry you to God when you can't make it yourself? Do you have friends that are willing to tear someone's roof off to get to Jesus? Oh, and a harder question than that one, are you that kind of friend that will carry someone to God when they can't get there? I mean, that's community. That's a beautiful picture of what Scripture and um, I think Peter is is trying to tell us is what makes us different is our commitment and our love for one another that becomes this temple-like community for those who are seeking God. Um, I was thinking about all the things I need. I'm a needy person. I, I need all kinds of things. I need encouragement. Not right now, but... Tell me after the service. I need accountability. I need commitment. I need support. I need wisdom. I need perspective. I need help. I need laughter. I need to know and I need to be known. Like I need, and the list goes on. I have a longer list than this. I'm willing to share with you. But you need it too. Like you need this. Did you know that you need this? And what's so interesting in our world is none of us wants any accountability. I don't want accountability. I don't want it. But I need it. I need it. Desperately, I need accountability. And I tend to push away anybody who wants to give me accountability, because I wanna do whatever I wanna do whenever I wanna do it. Anybody else? I need accountability, I need commitment. I need support and wisdom, and, and so do you. And so today is just presenting some opportunities for you to jump into some community. I mean, that's that's what today is. And this, which we handed to you when you were coming in, is just a list of some opportunities. This is not all inclusive. And also, listen when I say this: you don't need it to be this people, like all the people you see around you. It doesn't have to be here. Like you just need to find community. Like you've got to find it. You need it, your soul needs it. Um for your health, you need it. So you don't die of heart disease, you need it. <laughs> like, you need it and I need it, community, so we've got to find it. On this, you'll find a number of groups listed. There's women's Bible studies, men's Bible studies, there's re there's alpha, there's different kinds of small groups. There's a, a card here where you can actually... Um, Sign up for one of these groups today if you don't want to go out in the lobby because you're an introvert like me and you don't want to get in all the mess of all the people. Uh, Or you can stop by one of the tables. There's different group leaders that are going to hang out out there. You can ask questions. You can find some things. You can start your own group. Let me tell you one of the best ways to start a group. You ready? Here it is. Find four couples or five if you want to get extra bonus credit with God. Get five couples and... And say to these couples, listen, I need community. I think you need community. Um, but the only way we're going to get there is, is through regular connections. So let's, between now and Christmas, every other week, let's do a dinner party. And we'll go in a circle. We'll host it the first time, and then in two weeks you host it. And, and for the next four months, let's just dig into some food and just see what happens. Here's the difficulty, is you've got to be committed to it. You've got to show up. Here are some pieces I wrote, um, these four things. It, you, some of us need to initiate it. Some of us are just waiting for it to happen. You've got to initiate it. You've got to show up and be honest, and then look for God in the midst of it. And, and, and find where he's wanting to work in you. But be consistent. Initiate, initiate, initiate. Don't give up. You're not going to let your kids give up on school. They want to, trust me. Or if you don't have high schoolers yet, wait till they get there. They're going to want to give up on school. Trust me. Like, initiate, show up, be consistent. Make sense? And and let's build community. Let's love one another deeply, for love covers a multitude of sins. So um, will you stand with me and think about it? Don't just think about it. Do something to get into community. And instead of like some big statement, just go find a place to get connected and have a good week. And I'll see you next Sunday. Bye.